Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. The best podcast find the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron, Roger, and Doug to join Andrew as we discuss, well, this special that we have to do because of some, well, negative things that have been happening recently. So, it's official. Uh, we're going to say NXT is dead. Um, we had a bunch of people release. We had Fish, Reed, Russ, Martinez, Ruff, Atlas, and Aaron. Who are some of the other ones that we also lost because of this? Yeah, I mean, there there have been a number of releases, you know, uh, you mentioned a few that just got released uh, this past week, but even earlier this year and even into uh, 2020, there were some, you know, rather big names. Uh, You had somebody like uh, essentially a lot of sanity. I think all of sanity is gone now, except for Nikki Cross. Um, Then you had Aleister Black, who was a really big one, who obviously spent a lot of time at NXT, got called up and then leaves. Same thing with Andrade, uh, Samoa Joe, but he's obviously back now. Um, and then, you know, you had like EC3 last year and there's so many folks that we look at and we go, how did you mess this up? And I think that it kind of goes to show and we, we've, we've banged on this drum so many times is that if you don't have a storyline or if you don't have a program ready, when you call these folks up, they fail, they just do because they had a program in NXT and they were able to get over in NXT and then they come up on the main roster and then they just fail. EC3 is the guy that to me, I will never understand how they royally screwed this up because he is literally everything that Vince looks for. He is everything that Vince looks for in a wrestler. And not that like he is that great of a wrestler, you know, he was, he was okay, but he had to look, he had charisma, he could talk and was an okay wrestler. And you royally messed him up by not letting him talk, you know, by not giving him personality. It's like, what, what are you doing here? Uh, but there's so many folks that you see here and you just go, all right, well, um, what are they doing in NXT? They've uh, they've let all their people go. You know, you bring up something about e- EC3 that I wanted to bring up. The one thing that I was really, really su- surprised that they I think that they brought him back because they wanted to try and bury him because he was able to leave, prove them wrong and then comes back and then they don't do anything with him. But he did kind of do stuff in NXT. He did lose, I think, uh, each one of his big matches. But yeah, he was the he's probably the, the one that I'm still confused by. Because he's money, according to Vince, he'd be money. Because you mm-hmm. know he's big. It, it's a little bit surprising, and I think we'll get into it a little bit uh, later. But <clears throat> you see that most of these people have been there, and they've done it, and they've they're the elevation or evolution of NXT as has definitely played a part in in what we see and what we expect of nxt and but some of these people it's just to aaron's point also they they came up they they don't have the push and they don't have the the storyline anymore they were they were popular but they get to the main roster and they have nothing for them and they fizzle out and they either go back to nxt or they eventually just you know, get released or ask for the release and, and they go elsewhere. So it's it's definitely a tough time for NXT right now and and we'll see what they what they end up doing with it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the NXT call-ups have been hurt the most by the nonsensical call-ups. You know, whether it was there was that crop with EC3 that came up that none of those made really any sense. Lacey Evans, EC3. Um, I don't think Sandy was a part of that, but it was just like those people got called up out of the blue. I think maybe only one of them, and Lacey Evans is probably the biggest success story out of them. Um, just, just poor timing, bad choices. Too many of the people get to the main roster, quote-unquote, and they have nothing for them, or they're, you know, Tegan and Shotzi being a perfect example. Why are they randomly a team on the main roster now? Um, you know, you, you know, you just see this Tony Storm randomly sharpening the main roster. Things don't make sense on Raw and SmackDown for the most part. There are occasional exceptions to the rule, head of the you know, table being, you know, the best one, but things are not very well thought out. You know, it kind of goes back to the point I think we made last year when someone said, "Ooh, let's do a storyboard," and they laughed them out of the room. Because that type of long-term planning is not something the AE is interested in doing. Um, to focus more on the current ones, though, Bronson Reed, the fact that that guy was released, and he was the North American champion less than a month ago, kind of seems to show that NXT is clearly changing and not for the better. Because when you're getting rid of talented guys like that, that's not that's never a good sign. This is the second or third time somebody who was in a storyline was just straight up released. I think Tyler Rust was released. He was part of Diamond Mine that just showed up less than a month ago. I mean, just things that don't seem to speak well for the future of Triple H and Regal's baby. Yeah, I think uh, Bronson Reed was a bit of a surprise because he's a big guy. You know, he's listed at six feet and he's, you know, obviously very round, you know, very strong, you know, 300 mm-hmm. plus pounds. Um, you need people that look different, you know, not everybody can be, you know, your stereotypical six foot five, you know, 250 pounds, you know, you have to have some sort of variety. Bronson Reed is fine. I, you know, I wasn't a huge Bronson Reed fan. He was, he was fine, right? Like it's, there are people that like, oh, I understand why they're there because they look different or they have a different style of wrestling. I get it. Like I, I hundred percent get, but the fact that he was champion and lost the title like two weeks ago and then you let him go was surprising. I, to me, the biggest surprise was Tyler Russ because he is so young and you just put him in a high profile storyline that it looked like, hey, this is going to be a, a group that is going to do something, you know, like it's going to be like some minor players, but we might get some, uh, you know, some main event talent out of here potentially or, you know, go North American championship. And I thought Tyler Russ was I mean, he had a decent enough look he was decent enough in the ring obviously needed a mouthpiece you know maybe he's somebody that you can like mold into being something like that's worthwhile you know like a challenger for the title maybe not win it but a challenger so that one i think was the the biggest surprise to me personally yeah and uh so let's just talk about nxt as a whole so you know like you know how it started out i mean the one thing that uh was was really bad about nxt was it was a joke at first it was just a contest with guys i mean I mean, Roger, do you remember watching that like on Raw and SmackDown? Oh, yeah, it was terrible. I mean, look, the only good thing about kind of the season one of NXT was Daniel Bryan. Truth be told, that whole storyline where and the other wrestlers would mock the Miz that they would be like, yeah, Bryan's priority better than you are. So that storyline, I think Bryan wrestled Jericho in a really good match. I think he went winless in his competition. Um, Nexus spurned out of this, that whole storyline of them returning. I think Bryan got fired and then returned at SummerSlam um, where they famously lost to Cena after DDTing him on the concrete because, you know, lol Cena wins. Um, but yeah, the, the first season and second season, and I think even third season of NXT was a competition and it was pretty bad. It was reality TV. It was WWE trying to capitalize on the survivor craze and that whole like, Oh, we're going to do our own version of reality TV, but you know, 15 years too late as a standard. Um, 
and it was not good. It was it was very very bad in my opinion. Yeah, amazingly enough, they actually did five seasons of this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, you know, the first two, uh, you know, like you mentioned, uh, Wade Barrett actually won the very first one. Uh, Caval won the second one. Low then, key for those not yep, in the know. Low key. And then uh, Caitlin, so it was all women then for the third one. Uh, Caitlin won that. You did have a few other folks in there. Naomi was in that one. So it was AJ. Um, so you, you had a number of people in there. And even like the first and the second one, there were a number of folks that were in there where you went like, oh, that's kind of neat. Like, they're getting some exposure, but yeah, I mean, it was a contest, right? It was like all, I mean, Doug, you remember, right? Like they were, weren't they like running around with like, you know, kegs of beer essentially. But yeah, they, they did. Uh, I think that was one of the first trips of Titus O'Neil was he had to carry the keg over his head. He goes over the ring and then trips on the way up the ramp and cost him the competition. So you see his, his storyline still has continued all the way since then. Um, <laughs> And what a trip for him. That is world slide. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it, 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 the competition aspect was always, you know, what it was and everything like that. Uh, but then it got into kind of game showy aspects. Cause I think what was it like it was Percy Watson and uh, that group of NXT people where it's, it was just game show after game show after game show. And you'd win prizes, but they ended up not having anybody win uh, that NXT. And it just kind of like fizzled out and and went away. So in season two, Eli Cottonwood, they did a, a program where they were asking people to give a promo and they would just give you a one word and then you'd have to give a promo on that. And Eli Cottonwood, he was told to make a promo out of the word mustache. And so in front of 10, 20,000 people, he had to talk about mustaches like he had to give a promo based on that so yeah i mean the game show aspect of it was kind of silly i mean it was it was kind of ludicrous but obviously andy i know that it turned into something a little bit more and it turned into kind of its own kind of thing even though it started off as this game show it morphed into something better yeah i think they were trying to figure out what to do with nxt so um you know one of the things that they had you know they had ohio valley wrestling they of course had and uh, I, they just changed everything and said, hey, we're going to take, you know, uh, Ohio Valley guys and bring them all the way down to, uh, well, uh, Florida. And they just it just became de- developmental instead of being in, up in uh, Ohio. Um, and then they started they, they actually had shows uh, that were were it would come on. Um, but it, it felt like it was more of a ring of honor and like a better ring of honor, which I thought was impressive. But and so, but but yeah, it became like if you wanted to see the top indie guys, they were on NXT because. But then that was a stepping stone. There was guys that, when they left, like I still remember when Big E left to you know to come up to the main roster. I still remember that he had the best gimmick, the five count. But yeah, they they turned it into a developmental, uh, and it was. I thought they did a great job. I mean, Doug. I mean, there were some great guys that came out of there, even uh, in that first class. I mean, like just think Big E, Bo Dallas. Um, gosh, there's a bunch of other ones too. Well, I mean, you had the the tournament to begin NXT started with it was uh, Rollins versus Jinder Mahal in the finals, and Rollins became the first NXT champion. And I mean, there's probably your biggest success story of NXT was Rollins when he finally came up, uh, followed by the Shield and everything that they've done. But that was the absolute start of 
NXT on television or whether it be the network. Um, or was that even before the network? I'm not 100% sure on that one. But, it was before the network. Yeah, but then when we finally got to the network and everything like that, you started seeing more and more people. And um, you had your early days where it was Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, um, showing up and, and taking over from Ring of Honor. You had uh, a bunch of other people, too, that were just uh, absolute stars on the indie scene that are finally getting pulled into NXT to try to boost ratings and, and make it an actual show. Yeah, now, and Roger, would you say that Jinder was robbed and he should have been the first NXT champion? I would say that would put a blight on the NXT championship that could have never been washed off. The single smartest move that Hunter ever made, a Regal or Dusty or anybody else, was to realize that Jinder Mahal was not worthy. Um, so just to, you know, to kind of expand on Doug's point, if, for those who watched the early days of NXT, uh, Seth Rollins, first champion, obviously went on to great success, main event of WrestleMania, heist of the century. Uh, I believe Big E took the title from him. Uh, I think he has just become the Money in the Bank winner only a couple months ago. He's hopefully poised for big things. Bo Dallas, random insertion. He never really kind of broke that lower card. After Bo Dallas... It kind of went on a run of the who's who of top tier indie talent. So you're talking Adrian Neville, Pac, for those of you familiar with him in AEW, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Shinsuke Nakamura. Then you start to get the TNA guys coming in with Bobby Roode. You get Drew McIntyre coming back. You have Andrade. Um, I mean, Aleister Black obviously wins the title after that. Ciampa, the Gargano saga, Adam Cole, Keith Lee, and then we get to cross. But that run was pretty much the best of the best of who you had seen on the independent scene for maybe the last five to ten years. And NXT was great. I mean, they they produced moment after moment where each one of their takeovers was worth watching. And it was, you know, what is it? It's not must-see TV. It was can't-miss-see TV. And it was at all different levels. So a lot of times when the promotion is hot, it's just hot at the main event level, right? Oh, the world title matches is great. Or, you know, WCW, they had that excellent cruiserweight division for about a year and a half where it was the best thing going. NXT legitimately had the best women's division for a while. Bailey and Sasha is still, in my opinion, the best women's match I've ever seen. A tag team division that was on fire, DIY and Revival, everybody went crazy over that. And then a main event scene that basically fluctuated from Pac to Adam Cole and was just fantastic all the way through. I mean, NXT truly was something that we will talk about in a the opposite way of the way we talk about WCW toward the end. Maybe the way people talk about ECW in the 90s, where you kind of had to be there to really appreciate how great it was. Yeah, I didn't at one point. I, I still remember we said this is the height of uh, NXT, and I still remember hearing that. And I, It's almost right. So, oh, well. But yeah, I mean, and, and, and it, well, it really was because, you know, that was during that was 2016. You know, that was when, you know, you had Owens or I think Owens had just gotten called up. Uh, Samoa Joe was there. Balor was there. Um, Nakamura, um, you know, was there. Sami Zayn was getting called up. So that was really just the like beginning. Like that was a peak of NXT. And we're like, yeah, we we think we saw the best. And it kind of, I don't want to say it went down because it kind of stayed, you know, um, where it was, it plateaued. 
but it went back up when you had, you know, Adam Cole and the and company come there. And honestly, like Gargano and Ciampa, uh, I had no idea who Gargano was, you know, before he joined NXT. And I, I like, I, I think Gargano is, is absolutely fantastic. I think I, I absolutely love the work that he has done. I like him better as a face, you know, I don't really care for his current storyline, but I still enjoy seeing Gargano. You know, I still, I still like that and I still appreciate him. And just to see what they've been able to do, you know, when you have these stars get called up, you know, we had said that, oh, it's never going to get better. And I don't, I, I don't know if it got better, better, but it like, it stayed as good, you know? And I think that's, that is saying that the person that is running NXT and booking it is doing a very good job. And so I guess that kind of leads me to my, my question as I, you know, I'll, I'll ask you, Roger, you know, they were doing a very good job, but it kind of feels like maybe things are getting taken away from them a little bit. Um, first question, Andy, can I get a clip of Aaron for the second time now praising triple H? Because I feel like much like I said before, you had to be there to truly experience how rare that is to hear good, positive praise come from Aaron to talk about, you know, the wrestler of the decade. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll just play play a clip. It'll, it'll be an hour loop of him saying how much he likes. Perfect. Him. Fantastic. Yeah. For those in the special. Yeah. Um, what it looks like is that NXT. Uh, so initially that whole game show, right? There's, if you've ever read any of the forms of the dirt shades, there's always been this theory that Vince likes to test people. He likes to throw them out there in, in bad situations and see how they react, whether it's an, a stupid loss or a bad promo. And that's kind of what the game show reflected. NXT basically turned into, and it combined with FCW and OVW, kind of turned into a super indie, tried to compete with AEW, lost, they moved it, yada, yada, yada. Now it's going back to, I think, Vince's original idea of what he wanted NXT to be, which is big guys, young guys. He, he wants them jacked to the gills. He wants them to be young. He doesn't want them to ever be able to break out and leave the company. And that that status or that era of it being the place where you wanted to see the Pete Dunn's, the Adam Cole's, the kind of next guys is over. It is definitely going to be a place where you see more Ridge Holloway's and Omos and those really, you know, kind of 80s style wrestler that Vince has always fallen in love with. The big jacked up Herculean kind of looks like he took steroids type guy. That's what Vince wants now. He wants all size. Well, I think the other thing, too, is the aspect that uh, I think he really wants to get back to developmental uh, aspects of it, <clears throat> because you look at the people that they had to bring in to replace the talents of like Finn Balor, uh, Kevin Owens and everything like that. They went and got the big indie stars, the big names that people knew, uh, the people are, that were watching NXT religiously. They, they, you know, they were watching it and they became that indie show. So it just became the most popular indie people. Um, and I don't think Vince wanted that. I think Vince wants to develop his own own talent. Uh, he wants the people who fizzle out of the NFL, your big guys, your everything like that. We're gonna we're gonna do it. And I don't think he cares about the ratings aspect of whether it's a good show or not. He just wants to develop them into where they can then move up into the main roster. Um, but I, I did hear from a couple uh, places though that. That's why Vince wants to take control of NXT is so that they have a better transition from NXT to the main roster because storylines are going to start flowing a little bit better. Uh, I like that aspect, but I doubt that that's actually going to happen only because you are talking about pure 
developmental then. It is not going to be an entertaining show. It's going to be people learning. It is going to be absolutely minor league. It's going to be single A league. Instead of making a minor league two NXT, which was what I think some people were hoping, and keeping NXT their own show, their own brand, and everything like that, he wants, nope, my big show is going to be Raw because that's the that's the flagship. SmackDown will always be the B show. And then NXT was supposed to be developmental. We're going to keep that developmental and and step away from promoting that. It's just going to be big guys wrestling and then go on. The thing Dad, I, hold on, Andy, or Aaron, before you go, let me because you made up a point that's interesting. It's about um, cohesion, right? Vince taking over. Mm-hmm. So while that sounds logical in theory, do you really want the New York Jets to be in control of your developmental program? Like if you suck at the top level, I don't necessarily know that the idea of having – and let's be honest. The storylines on Ron SmackDown have for the most part been subpar. I think most people can agree there's no cohesion. They're terrible stories. There's nothing but rematches. Really, um, you know, people are not invested. The ratings are as low as they've ever been. How does that benefit anyone to say, cool, we're going to continue doing what doesn't work on Ron SmackDown. Let's just do it on NXT. Cool. It's cohesive, but trash is cohesive with a dumpster. That doesn't make it a good thing. I I absolutely agree to that aspect that I I don't think it's going to be a good thing. I think Vince actually is jealous that NXT is better than his main flagship show, Raw. Yeah, and to to build on that point, too, is you have a storyline. If you're going to call Gargano and Ciampa up, like, you know, they called them up to Raw and they were an attack team. And like, yeah, they were kind of doing that a little bit in NXT, right? There was that, like, they were fighting and then they kind of were like, oh, we'll come together, you know, sort of storyline going on. But like you have, you have built-in storylines. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn were fighting when they got up to the main roster. And there was a reason you had a built-in storyline. You have these storylines that can continue. And like with Drew McIntyre up there, you know what? Him and Adam Cole, they never finished their storyline in NXT. Drew McIntyre just got called up. So you know what? You could have had Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era come up, and they could challenge Drew McIntyre as the champion or just like take him down a, you know, a peg or two. That is a storyline that you could have. And so when they say that we don't have storylines, just use the ones that were already there. I don't understand that. Like if anything else, like, you know, Triple H and, and his writers have laid the groundwork for you. Keep it going. And that's the uh that's gonna be the sad part about NXT. I think it's never gonna be the same. Um, we did get to see the best of it, though. And, uh, hey, at least on the network, we get to actually watch some good uh, NXT. I, I just hope that Vince changes his mind. As much as I, I I know that my brother really, 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 really loves Triple H, I know that he enjoys great storylines more. Hence Gargano and Ciampa going, how many years, Roger? And how many feuds in between each feud? Uh, I think they've been a feud on and off for three, four years. And, you know, look, the matches, the rematches got a little tiresome. I think we all agreed that they did one match too many. Two matches would have been fine. But it was a great storyline. You know, from the moment you had the turn that basically caused trust issues to that, you know, what should have been a, a New York takeover match. But it was still a great Louisiana match at uh, WrestleMania takeover. It was fantastic. It is – I'll say this. Let me ask you guys a question. Moving forward, where do the people like Ciampa, Gargano, Pete Dunne, whose contract apparently is ending soon, um, Santos Escobar, Swerve Scott, all those guys who do not fit the mold of what Vince wants 
and, and, and not just Vince, um, I believe Johnny Ace is back in charge of talent relations. So, you know, for those not familiar with what he believes as a uh, quality woman, he told AJ Lee that uh, none of the people want to ha- sleep with her. So therefore, she has no value in the main roster. So if you look at the women in NXT, right, and with the exception of Raquel Gonzalez, who obviously has the size to be uh, a real presence and Vince will say, I don't care. If you're Dakota Kai, if you're Zia Lee, if you're Katie Catanzaro, they don't they're not traditional tall busty blondes or they're not short busty blondes like alexa was can't imagine they are very confident in their future going forward so where do those people go what what happens to the people who used to come to nxt now the first thing i just want to say is this uh they did not ask andy if he wanted to sleep with aj lee so that poll (laughs) did not count but doug i'll let i'll let you go first though I'm, i'm curious what your response is to that where do they go? Um, they're going to just go back to where they were in, on, on the indie scene. Um, I, I would imagine Pete Dunne goes back to uh, the UK and just runs rampant on all their uh, little promotions or whatever the biggest promotion is over there. And, you know, maybe they go to New Japan. Maybe they go to Ring of Honor. Um, I think you're just going to start to see that uh, – they're going to go back to the Indies where they, they came from, or they are going to, I mean, it, not that they're going to get in, but you're going to see a lot of people just, it's going to be true developmental uh, walk into the door. We don't know anything about wrestling, but we have the size, we have a look. Uh, we want everybody to be over six feet tall, 225 pounds or more, and you're going to be fit. You're going to be absolutely, you know, the, the Spartan image, I guess you would say. Uh, and that's, that's all you're going to get, get from WWE developmental anymore. They're going to try to go back to where it was in Ohio Valley wrestling. When you had that ultimate class of John Cena, Batista, uh, Brock Lesnar. Um, and, and I mean, you look at those people, those are all people over six feet tall, over 225 pounds and ripped. Uh, Randy Orton. I mean, you have a little bit of a legacy aspect to him, but again, over six feet tall, ripped so it, it that's that's my my fear is that wwe is going to be all one type of person from now on uh that is going to be moved up and then you're just going to have the indie wrestling where they are a little bit of smaller but they have better character well and like i had said about bronson reed you know bronson reed wasn't a guy that i necessarily you know was high on but you know just like with earthquake or typhoon in the 80s you know you need different looks to people you know like if everybody looked the exact same as hogan it's gonna be kind of boring you know it it just it is you had very colorful characters in the 80s and even into the 90s when you know everybody was a star but they were all different people crash holly looked very different than stone cold or the rock or taker you know you had very different looking people and even you know the four that you had brought up there doug they were very different looking people. And while they, they all went on to be stars, they, they did, you know, all four of those guys went on to be stars. There are people that guess what from NXT you've brought up and you're making into stars or are stars. You have Roman Reigns, you have Seth Rollins who are two of your biggest mainstays there. Drew McIntyre, who you failed the first time he went out, got bigger. You brought him back. He went through NXT and he's a top star, um, you know, over on raw. So obviously doesn't have the title, but he did, you know, for, um, uh, you know, for almost a year or so. I mean, there are so many folks that we've seen that have come through there that have gotten over despite not having the push from management. Daniel Bryan, obviously, being a, a really big one. Well, that's why I think you're going to see WWE fail even more. It's just because they don't have 
the mixture of people. You don't, you're not going to get a underdog story anymore because you don't have people that are looking like an underdog. You have flat out six foot two. You have a built. You have a standard. You have this. Unless they are going to start pulling, um, I guess you call them free agents, I guess, or anything like that from somebody else, just that they made such a huge name over in AEW or New Japan or something like that. They made a huge name over there, and you know what? We could probably bring them in for a certain amount of money and finish them off there. You might get that, and maybe that's what they're expecting to do, but I think they just they want to redo it. They want to build up all these people based on a, a blueprint. Andy, if NXT goes away, how much WWE programming would you say you will watch uh, per week? Uh, the pay-per-views. That's it. I, I I would actually probably just stick with the pay-per-views. I, I would watch AEW, but I wouldn't watch... I, WWE would, would be tough because I still... Re- NXT was kind of like that that underground thing, like when I first started watching, because no one else could see it, then all of a sudden it just kind of blew up. Um, but it was it was nice to see that slow progression, just seeing guys that you know that, that are in that are on the main roster now, and like still remember them trying to figure out their characters. So uh, yeah, it's it's sad. It really is. But one there thing, was a one thing I will say though that that is kind of that bothers me with this whole thing with them changing it is that if you guys have said it in many ways, but we haven't talked about the matches yet. They're all going to look the same. That means the matches are going to be the same because I guarantee you some guys can't do like a flip or maybe they're, they, they, I don't know the match. I mean, you're going to see the same match though. Every time I don't want to see Kevin Nash big show every time I want to see Ray Mysterio who would grow every time. So, and I think that's well, the one thing that we're going to start to see. Um, I think that, yeah, Vince will do that. And then he's going to ma- realize that he made a huge mistake because the only reason he's going to sign a- if Adam Cole signs, the only reason why Adam's there is because he doesn't want him to go to AEW. That's it. And he's going to think that he won because it's not because di- he lost Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. So my question, I guess, for everybody would be, what about the network? Uh, the fact that NXT is on USA with Vince taking away all this talent and everything and going to a um, more of his own style of everything like that, which means the ratings are going to go down what they're doing on the, the quote unquote main roster. How long do you put up with it as, as USA or Fox until you say, you know what? The ratings aren't good enough. You don't deserve as much money as we're giving you. You need to make it better. You know how long how, how long is it going to be, or how far in the ratings does NXT have to go before they say we're going to cancel NXT as a TV show and put it back on the network? I'm pretty sure they have something in place for that, where like if the if uh, it's not bringing in the money that it usually does, um, but I think that's that's going to be the driving force behind all this. It's just going to be money. So if they say we're not going to, or like if they didn't have a good deal with NBC, I think they'd be screwed at this point. Um, cause that deal supposedly with, with NBC is just, they, it's guaranteed they're going to be there. There's no like, Hey, you're going to leave it now or whatever. It's your, it's locked in for five years. All right. Well, well, and that's the thing with the, uh, the ratings is while AEW is winning the ratings war, WWE obviously has the money, you know, that they're pulling in and it's from the networks. And so while the WWE product, they don't have a whole lot of incentive, I think, to improve it. One of the things that I was uh, I was listening to um, 
um, uh, figure four daily. And they were talking about the match types that they've had on raw and on SmackDown. And if you watch raw or SmackDown and then you don't watch it for, you know, three weeks, maybe a month, you're probably going to see the same matchups and it's gonna be like, Oh, guess what? This was a, you know, they're two and two against each other. Well, like, okay, well, why do I care? And on AEW, and like, I'm not like, I'm pro good wrestling. I, you know, right now I think AEW is the best wrestling out there right now, in my opinion, but I'm totally okay with WWE being good wrestling. You know, competition is a good thing on AEW. How many times have you seen, uh, you know, I don't know, Cody take on QT Marshall. I think they wrestled each other twice. And they had a feud going for like two months. You know, he was wrestling other folks. They were getting involved in each other's matches. Maybe they had a tag team match, but there wasn't this straight up like, hey, we're going to just go back and forth in a match. You typically aren't seeing that. And that's one of the things about AEW that I think has been really good. And so, Andy, to your point, we probably are going to see a lot of the same matches. And I think that the ratings are going to dip. Roger, if you were, you know, in WWE's position, I mean, is this... Are you thinking, hey, we're good, so I'm just going to do it? Or are you thinking, you know what? No, we're building for the future. We're building these stars. Like, what do you think is their thought process at this point in time? So I, I think Doug is right. I think Vince never intended for NXT to be a super indie. I think that was Triple H's plan. And I think once um, once it became clear that NXT was not going to be able to stop AEW's momentum, because ideally the whole point was, let's see if we can use our built-in um, fan base with NXT to crush AEW and stop this from becoming another WCW. Once that didn't happen, they said, okay, we're going to abandon that plan. But then, you know, the purpose, I, I believe, was, oh, hey, these indie stars – they can just come to NXT and, and do their thing. Vince never really particularly cared about those guys based on the way that they were used on that next level. The intent was not to get guys like Johnny Gargano or Tommaso Ciampa or EC3 or Aleister Black. They were never intended to be those guys. If you look at the people they've pushed, Seth Rollins was an FCW guy long before NXT. Same with Roman Reigns. Legacy, fam- former football player, has everything that you want. They had no intent of using the Adam Coles of the world as the uh, the Kenny Omegas and the Hangman Pages and things like that. I think in their mind, they're like, look, we don't really care about NXT anymore. It is over. It's not what we are trying to accomplish. You know, The changes that they have made show me that they're looking to go back and not to the Attitude Era, but back to that era of Johnny Ace is in charge of the women. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a push towards the Divas again, where you get fitness models as opposed to wrestlers. You're obviously going back to getting former football players and big guys as opposed to the most talented guys. And, you know, the sad thing is it's not like homegrown talent has a better success. There's a guy named Bray Wyatt who's a legacy guy, had one of the best, if not the best characters in all of WWE, and yet he was used horribly. Um, Here's a a question for all of you. Three months ago, I said there's no doubt in my mind the single biggest disappointment of the year was the way that Velveteen Dream had tanked his own career. Fast forward three months, and there's a fair argument that you could make for Velveteen, Bray Wyatt, and the state of NXT going forward. And I have no idea which one of those is the biggest disappointment. Ooh. That's good. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, if you're going to shut down the, uh, the storylines now and everything like this, NXT very much could be the biggest disappointment this year. I mean, it, it has jumped quickly to the uh, to the high ranks of fall. I don't know. Is it fall big disappointment grace. or falling from grace? It could yeah, be both. It it could yes. very well be both. It's how many can we it, add that to storyline? We could say that 
uh, biggest news of the year as well. That's three. Uh, 2022 Fallen from Grace is unquestionably NXT, in my opinion. Like, I don't even think that it will be a discussion. I will be shocked if that doesn't sweep that award just from what we think it's going to be, from what it used to be. I, I, I don't know what else can even top that. CM Punk yeah, not they, showing they up might... on August 20th. Well, they might, you know, 2021, they might write it out. So NXT might be okay. And it might be 2022, like mm-hmm. Rogers, where it just is completely changed. And you never know. It has the biggest potential to win the award right now. But I, I will say I'm going to hold out until it actually fully falls down. Uh, another question for you guys, then. What company benefits the most from this? Because there's a lot of companies, you know, we got a clear pecking order. Number one, number two, after that. Who truly benefits the most from NXT no longer being the place where the super indie superstars go? That's a great question. Because um, I think I'm going to start. I'm going to go back to, I think, watching more Ring of Honor. I think it's what I'll end up being. Because the storyline, I don't care about. Storylines are good and stuff. But like if they can perform in the ring and actually go, I think that's amazing. I, I, I have a hard time saying which one's going to become number one, number two, and everything like that. Just because of the forbidden door being open, it has been one of, you know, I'll say right now, uh, I know we talked about it in the midway point, and the forbidden door was our biggest disappointment so far. And now now that we're starting to get rolling on on, um, everything that's going in there and everything that's going on, it's just a... uh, it, it, it's amazing, and the potential is there that anybody really could show up anywhere. So, if you have New Japan, you have Ring of Honor, you have TN uh, or Impact, Impact. It's not TNA anymore, uh, Impact. But even then, you have uh, what NWA. A lot of NWA people are starting to show up on AEW, and it's. It is almost a revolving door, which is what I remember Cody saying, I think, at one of the C2E2s is that was the plan for AEW all along was to have a rotating door to let people go to other promotions and and do their thing. And if we have a storyline for them, great. We're going to bring them back. We're going to have the storyline for them. And then once if, if there isn't a storyline there, they're free to go to somewhere else where they might have a storyline or, or might become a champion somewhere else. And it was going to be an open and rotating door to keep things fresh, to keep things um, at a high level constantly. And and so far, I think this is where we're finally starting to see that. So if everybody was to be cut from NXT right now, except for you know maybe some main level talent that you are bringing up to the main roster and, and starting all over, who benefits the most? I just I would say right now, the Forbidden Door benefits the most just because everybody is available. Yeah, I actually, I, um, so it's, uh, I was remembering that conversation as well. The the opportunity now, because before typically, you know, before we kind of had this crossover, you signed with a company and you knew they were going to work with those guys. But that's not true anymore. You can sign with Impact and still work with AEW or work with NJPW or potentially work with Ring of Honor. And so the idea now, it's, it's no longer about, oh, if, if Ciampa goes to Ring of Honor, then I know he can work with these X of guys. If he's not in the E, because basically it's binary. Either you're in the WWE or you can wrestle everywhere else. I, I don't know who benefits the most from it, truthfully. I think Ring of Honor could. I think they could regain that status that they had during the peak days of Joe and Punk. 
um, where they really were kind of that super indie that NXT kind of killed. I think NJPW, I don't think they have any more plans for American expansion, but if they did, boy, they have a just complete treasure trove of people to pick from when you're talking about basically take all of the NXT guys that they don't want. And there you go. There's your American promotion. I don't think AEW is the right place for most of these guys because AEW is quite full. Having said that, you know, Adam Cole makes sense. Brian Punk, all those guys totally make sense, but they don't need to take everybody from NXT. Impact, I think, could benefit. They obviously could use plenty of top tier guys. You know, Bray Wyatt, I think, is a perfect move over there. I could even see guys like um, Bronson Reed showing up in Impact at some point. I could also see him showing up in JPW or both. I, I don't really know entirely, but I will say there are way more possibilities now. You know, if this had happened, let's say three years ago, before AEW had been created, this would be a very dark day in wrestling. Like we would be talking about, I don't know if I'd even continue bother to watching wrestling, like because without AEW, without you know Impact and Ring of Honor, maybe I'd watch NJPW. That'd be about it. Like it, it would be down to just one you know promotion. Whereas now these guys can go everywhere. Like it's it's a much better landscape. Yeah, it's just uh, NXT is going to be different, and I think that's the. Uh... That's going to be the main takeaway. We just hope that it doesn't, uh, well, go downhill, but we never know. We've been wrong before, so we'll see. Andy, clo- closing question for everybody. What's your favorite NXT moment? Since we're going to essentially say that this is the end of NXT being great, what's your top moment? I can. I, I already know what it is. Uh, it's still It's still my favorite. Um, Swear, uh, if you say Owen's coming back. Oh, when Owens came, no. Um, actually, the one thing that, uh, and, and this, it's still like, and I've watched this match, I think, a total of five times now, and I, I will go back to it. Uh, it's, uh, well, it's Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura at, at uh, Takeover Dallas. I still, I, I, when we were there and watched it, I swear that was a thirty-minute match. It wasn't. It was. It was shorter than that, but it felt like it went on forever. But going back and watching it. It's the magic was there and you could just, I thought they were going in a great direction and I think they were so. And uh, Doug, what was yours? So I, I guess I always have a little bit of a bias for things that I saw live. And while uh, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Sami Zayn was one of the greatest things, uh, one of the greatest matches and that whole takeover was a wonderful experience. I'm going to actually pick uh, Tommaso Ciampa turning on Johnny Gargano at NXT Chicago just because we were there and it was just the the biggest shock. I mean, the the ultimate trust issues <laughs> were started at that moment and became such a running uh, or not. Oh, yeah, we're going to call it the running joke of, of WWE. The recurring joke. Yes. And it was just absolutely one of those things where – it was such a shock. Didn't see it coming. Uh, you know, there was people leaving the arena because they all thought it was over. And and I mean, they they flashed the logo and everything on the the network itself to show that the show was over. And then the amount of time, I guess, afterwards, the the beatdown that happened, and just how realistically scary it was at that point that they were they legitimately hated each other. It was. It was uh, definitely a memory that uh, I appreciate of NXT. 
Yeah, I remember watching that. Like, I remember, I, I will say, that's one of those rare times in wrestling where I can tell you, I was like, oh, show's over, they lost, okay, I wonder what's next. Logo flash, I thought we were safe. I think even the podcast afterwards, like, I, I thought we were safe, like, we were good to go. And then he just unleashes one of the more heinous beatdowns I've ever seen. Um, for me, this is tough because, I mean, we have been fortunate to watch some really good moments. Uh, Shinsuke versus Sammy will always be one of my favorite ones. Even the silly ones like watching that guy uh, dance to Samoa Joe will always bring a chuckle out of me. <laughs> Take over Arizona. I will never forget seeing Ricochet live for the first time. Like mm-hmm. I knew he was great, but boy, seeing him and Gargano put on a masterpiece. I think I had that as my match of the year. One of my favorite things. But for me, I think the one that had the most impact is probably my favorite moment, and it's one of the few matches I, much like Andy said, goes back and watches. It's it's Sasha Bailey takeover two, just because that to me was what solidified the women getting a real chance. Like that match was so good, and it was the perfect story and the perfect ending. Bailey finally winning the title felt like one of those true underdog feel good moments that you will always talk about. It was so awesome. I was very happy. I loved their storyline. It concluded in the perfect way, the way that I wish Gargano and Ciampa had been able to conclude, but unfortunately Ciampa got hurt. That's probably my favorite moment. There's a lot of other great moments. I'm going to miss NXT for being what it was because, you know, the way that we talk about ECW is the way I think we'll talk about NXT was if you were there and you watched it, you truly knew how great it was. It was for a period of time must-see television, can't-miss television, takeovers were the best thing WWE had been producing for five to six years. And without that, I I don't know that I really care about anything coming out of Stanford in regards to wrestling, especially with AEW and NJPW and all the other ones. I can just remove that two hours of television and I'll watch something else because there's too much good wrestling to be suffering through whatever they put out. Yep, and uh, uh, Aaron Aaron uh, had to go. Um, he actually said that his favorite NXT moment was actually the 2016 WrestleMania Takeover, uh, the the t- Takeover Dallas. Um, he just he said that it was the entire show he liked. So I just thought that was interesting. We all pretty much had different things uh, for NXT. So, but yeah. Um, so hey, that's all the time we have for this special. If you're into the Twitter, you can follow the show at Offmark86. I want to thank 86 Productions for hosting and any of the podcasts, and I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to download and listen to the show. And for Roger Cave, Doug Hahn, and Aaron Hughes, I am Andrew Hughes, and until next time, we'll see you in the room.